We want to welcome everybody back to another podcast that we're hosting on a periodic basis here at Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Uh, again, my name is Neil Cook, and I'll be the host of the podcast with our uh, not special guest anymore. He's our regular guest on here, our pulpit minister, uh, Matthew Ballantyne. Uh, Matthew, I want to welcome you uh, again to our podcast, and this is a little different setting this time. Uh, it's being recorded in the kitchen of my home, so I also want to uh, welcome you to the Cook Residence uh, here on 15th Avenue. On Fat Tuesday. On Fat Tuesday. If there's ever a holiday name that I love, it's Fat Tuesday, and I've tried to live up to that holiday name all day. Since we last recorded, I, I think it was back in December, because at that time I gave a name to the podcast. I, I changed it to, from Meeting Matthew, the monthly with Matthew. And then as it happened, the very next month, January, we weren't able to record one because of scheduling problems and and so forth. But uh, we're back together now. But since we last uh, recorded the podcast, uh, we've had several different things to to happen, I think in that one, we talked about the upcoming plans in the Ballantyne home for uh, Christmas, and, and we've had Christmas to come and go uh, since then. It's been two months ago, but was there uh, anything special about Christmas this year that uh, stood out that uh, you want to let our listeners listeners know about? Well, our Christmas this year was very interesting because uh, just a couple of weeks before Christmas, of course, we added our fourth child, we added London. Um, and because of that and Blair's recovery from that, we really did not get out and go and visit family right there around the Christmas holidays. So our Christmas uh, holidays didn't wrap up as far as experiencing the, the time with family until the first weekend in February. So we christmas uh, December, January, and February together. So it was a rather long Christmas holiday for us, to say the least. Which would be part of the reason that we have scheduling conflicts. Because you, be. you were in be. a holiday mood for a long time. For a long time. <laughs> you mentioned the birth of your fourth child, uh, London. Uh, tell us how uh, she's doing now. London's doing wonderful. She She gave us a little bit of a scare there on the front end. She was... Uh, having some breathing issues when she was born, had to spend some time on the ventilator, but uh, after a day or so, she soldiered on and uh, came through with flying colors, and she is two months old now, and as Blair has said, she is everything we didn't know we needed and wanted as parents. We were not planning on having a fourth child. But to all of those uh, families out there with three children, I'll just go ahead and say, go ahead and have the fourth one. The transition from two to three is more difficult than the transition from three to four. So just go ahead and plan on having that fourth one. Get those tax write-offs coming, and we uh, you'll you'll enjoy it. I promise. I promise. Well, it sounds like you and Blair have adjusted uh, well to the arrival of the new child, but uh, how are uh, Collins and, and Vance and Britton adapting? Um, Collins is, you know, she's a big sister through and through, and that hadn't changed. Uh, Vance uh, loves his baby sister. He has made the joke 
on several different occasions. Well, it's not a joke to him. It is to us that he's the one that got his mama pregnant because he prayed for a new baby. And so, um, so he, you know, that is very much to him a real answered prayer from God. And he very much uh, loves his little sister. Now, Britain, um, it is a love hate relationship at times between Britain and London. And it will, uh, I know at some point, they will become very close siblings and do things together simply because of their age, if nothing else. Um, but Britain got kicked off of that. I'm the baby of the family throne a lot earlier than the rest of our kids did. And she has had, she has had her moments for sure of struggle. Well, we kind of chuckle about uh, Vance's prayer, but of course in the Bible, we uh, read accounts of prayers leading to uh, pregnancies and, and babies. So, Absolutely. so apparently he's uh, been listening to uh, the Bible stories yes, and, and paying yes. attention. Also, uh, since we last met, uh, we did something uh, with the men of the congregation that really hasn't been done much in the past. We've had different occasions where the, the men would travel together and go to different men's days at, at area congregations. Uh, but we took a, a uh, social trip with the, the men of the congregation uh, back, I, I guess it was last month or earlier this month, uh, a trip over to Decatur uh, to Big Bob Gibson's Barbecue. Uh, just tell us about that trip and uh, about any uh, future uh, plans that um, there may be as far as taking trips with a group of men. Well, yeah, we, we just decided to kind of take things, take matters in our own hands, if you will. Our ladies here at North Avenue do a great job of, of fellowshipping and being together and doing different things. And and I had heard a couple of men kind of talk about how we need to do stuff like that, you know. And, and the thing about men is sometimes uh, we'll sit back and talk about the things we need to do, but won't necessarily do them. And so we've just kind of decided, hey, we're just going to do them. And so this is our second kind of men's event together of just being together and just socializing and fellowshipping with each other. We went over to Big Bob Gibson's. Uh, I've learned with most men, if it involves eating, you're going to have a good turnout. And we had a really good turnout uh, for for that day and got to know some guys a lot better. Uh, it was it was it was good for me because, you know, I'm still in that building relationships and getting to know people kind of phase. And I really enjoyed just the bus ride over there and back of getting in setting to talk to some guys and just getting to know them a little bit better. And it is something that we're going to continue to do is invest into the men of this church. And and not just because it's fun to get together, but because, you know, we need to be bringing up that next generation of leaders and uh, the next group of men that are going to lead our church into the future. And that's all kind of part of this process uh, is, is discipleship through these things. And so I'm looking forward to the blessings that I believe will come from from our time together. I think the next thing we're going to plan on doing, it may be maybe later into March, uh, maybe do a, a men's breakfast one Saturday morning. And I think that's kind of the next thing that Tyler and I have, have talked about doing. So looking forward to our next our next time together for sure. Again, involving eating. That's right. Eating. But we're going to do that every time we get together if I'm planning it. You mentioned that the trip was good for you to uh, better get to know some of the uh, members of the congregation. 
but it also, uh, as you're saying that, I was thinking our newest member uh, at Ninth Avenue, a young man who was baptized a few weeks ago, uh, it really gave him a good opportunity to be with uh, other men in the congregation, uh, his age, some older, some younger. Uh, so it helped him to uh, learn more about us and, and who we are. So just as it's beneficial to you, I think it's also uh, beneficial to really all the men uh, because we see each other uh, at church and we know each other in our church setting, uh, but we don't necessarily know each other on a, a more personal basis. Mm-hmm. I noticed a couple of the men when they showed up uh, to get on the bus, I had to kind of do a double take because I didn't recognize them because they were out of their church clothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and another good thing about that is is those type of events, that fellowship doesn't stop when that trip is over. So this was on a Saturday afternoon. And when I showed up for church Sunday morning, that's still the conversation that guys are having about that. They just kind of picked up the conversation from the bus ride uh, back into class on Sunday morning. So that fellowship continued because of that shared experience. And that's such an important thing, such an important thing as we uh, continue to strive for growth here at Ninth Avenue. Well, I know fellowship, uh, as you mentioned early on, and, and I think even our first uh, podcast together, the importance of fellowship. Uh, and and I agree with you. I think that's something that's probably that's really lacking in most uh, congregations. So I'm glad you uh, are continuing that effort and putting it in, into action. Uh, so just from a personal level, I, I really appreciate that. Uh, another uh, thing that's coming up uh, that will be new uh, a Bible class is not new, but we're going to be having a new Bible class at Ninth Avenue uh, that's going to have an incredible teacher teaching the Bible class. And uh, you can tell us a little bit about uh, that class that's coming up, uh, who it's for, when it will be, and about the incredible teacher. Well, the uh, the class is going to be geared towards our college students and young adults. You know, we do a really good job of uh, developing young people and giving them a place in in our churches through children's ministries and youth ministries. And then once they kind of graduate and get into uh, really, you know, that time in their life where they're trying to find their own faith and uh, trying to develop their own kind of relationship with God and step out on faith and do some things that maybe they've never done before, uh, we seem to have a, a, a gap in the church for those, for the, for those people in the place they are in their life. And we do have at Ninth Avenue a, a very good sized group of college age and young adults, kind of young professionals who are just a few years removed from that college experience and, and into their, uh, first jobs. And, and we're really wanting to reach out to those, um, to those individuals, to those couples of, Few of those couples are engaged to get married uh, here in the coming months, but give them a place where they can, where they can kind of come and learn their, uh, learn about things in the place that they are in their journey in life and also in their particular journey with Christ. The uh, thing that we're going to be talking about is called the if challenge. And, you know, the word if is such a small word, uh, but yet in our, in our language, it's such a powerful word. If you just go to your Bible apps that many of you have on your phone 
and type in the word if. It's, you know, when I first typed it in, I really thought that it would be um, too generic of a word to really get a class idea from. But what I saw is there are so many if statements in Scripture that carry this idea that if I do this for God, this is the blessing that I receive. And and so that's what we're going to be focusing on as as a class are, are those if statements in Scripture that if I do this, if I trust in him, these are the blessings I get. A couple of the passages uh, that we're going to look at is, therefore, if anyone is a new or is in Christ, he is a new creation um, from Second Corinthians 5. Uh, we're going to talk about um, Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? You know, what does it mean uh, for God to be for us uh, in our life? One of my favorites comes from Colossians 3 and verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And so there's some real powerful passages uh, that we're going to look at and some real challenging passages in our own walks and in our own faith uh, as we look at these uh, if passages together. And I think that it will be a, I think it'll be a great study. And any of our college students and young professionals and uh, that kind of fall into that uh, under 30 age group, uh, I really want to encourage you to join us. We'll be upstairs um, in, uh, I guess they they call it the dove room because they've got uh, some dove decoys tied to the top of the door. So that's where we'll be starting March the 8th, starting March the 8th. And uh, it's it's going to be, it's going to be a, a good class. And it may be a good class despite the incredible teacher, but it's going to be a good class either way. Well, I think we picked up on it, but you're too humble to say who the incredible teacher is. But of course, uh, that's you. Uh, Matthew will be teaching that new class coming up uh, for the young people of college age uh, and those under 30 uh, starting March the 8th. I know from my own personal life, when I was in college, it's really, I had a, a renewal of faith. I had uh, gone to church, Sunday school, uh, up until I really became a teenager, and then I just kind of dropped out, quit going uh, for various reasons, and then when I got in college, I, I just kind of had this desire and longing to, to start attending church again, but then within a couple of years of it, really the greatest challenge to my faith was also during my college years. Mm-hmm. Um, as a result of a, a class I was taking, uh, it was at a, a state university here in Alabama, and the professor, it turns out, was actually an atheist. And, uh, and it really, it's, creates a, uh, strain, a hardship, uh, obstacles to your faith. Um, so that time period you're talking about, as you said earlier, uh, is a very critical time, uh, for young Christians, mm-hmm. um, and who are just like everybody, but really attacked from all sides and all kinds of pressures. And you know, I, we, I hear the statistics and, the famous statistic, and it is pretty close, is that, you know, 50% of our high school graduates from our youth programs will turn their back on their faith during their college time. But 
a lot of times we put that on those students. And I think part of the problem is that as a church, we have failed to continue to create an environment for them to grow in their faith and to support them in those in those ventures and in those moments where they have left um, the comfort of high school and have ventured into kind of some freedom on their own. Uh, as churches, we've not done a good job of providing college ministries and young adult ministries. I believe that we're seeing a change of that across the board in our in our fellowship, which is a great thing. But I think that we can retain more if we just put forth more effort. Of course, you encourage people to come uh, and be part of that class if they fall within that age group. Uh, of course, your invitation is not just limited to the members at Ninth Avenue, I'm sure. Absolutely uh, not. Anybody. So any of you listening, if you're not members at uh, Ninth Avenue, uh, you're welcome to come uh, and, and join in that class and uh, any service we have. And, and we'll mention that uh, toward the end of our podcast as we're closing. You used the word just a few minutes ago, change, and we've talked about some changes at Ninth Avenue, things that we're uh, doing that maybe we haven't done before. Change can be a good thing and a, and a bad thing because we're in a society that is changing, uh, continually uh, changing, and that creates uh, pressures and, and challenges uh, for us as Christians, um, as the church. You started, I guess, doing a series a few weeks ago where you kind of began to address this issue about the changing culture that we live in and about how that affects the church. So if you don't care, let's just for a few minutes just kind of talk about that topic, about the church within this changing culture that we now live in. Okay, yeah, the... Uh the sermon that I preached back a few weeks ago, and if you are a regular listener of our podcast and or, um, you know, are, are a regular attending member at Ninth Avenue, uh, you've, you've heard kind of my spiel about the fact that we as, as a culture in general are living in uh, what you could call a post-Christian culture. Uh, well, many people, uh, that, uh, make up our churches now in, in that age range of 50 or above. Uh, you grew up in a very much a Christian cultural society where most people had morals that were based off of Christian morals, whether they were churchgoers or not. Uh, they were uh, morals and a style of living that was based very closely to a, a church lifestyle. Uh, church in and of itself, the different uh, religious groups that um, are out there, you know, they, there was a great importance of, of doctrine, of and 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 when I say a great importance, the doctrine that differentiated them from another church across the street. Uh, I, we believe this and do this this way, and and you believe that and do that that way, and we think you're right, and we think uh, we think we're right, and we think you're wrong on this, and, and those differences were important, and people came to your church based on those differences a lot of times. Um, when you got to talking to people about um, coming and going to church with you, per se, uh, you would start to talk about the difference in what you do and what maybe where they go. And that, that has changed in our society. Our, 
our neighbors aren't necessarily always living by Christian morals. They they don't necessarily care about church as much. I mean, yes, yeah, not a bad thing, but it's not for them, and it may be for you, and I don't want to hear about it, but um, even within people who are searching for a church home, the the differences in doctrines are not as prevalent in their desire for what they're searching for. And if you look at the generations uh, 50 and below, that they are growing up, especially our millennial generation uh, and, and, and a generation above that, they are growing up and have grown up in a culture that has drastically changed from the culture that their parents and grandparents grew up in. And so the question becomes, as, as, as we live in a different culture and society, how do we stay relevant as a church and still save souls? I heard a guy say one time, I think this is so true. He said, we are perfectly equipped to, as a church to reach a society that existed 30 years ago. And the way, in the way that we think, in the way that we act, in the way that we approach evangelism, in the way we approach our teaching, we are, that's a true statement. We are equipped to, to address things that really are no longer an issue in our society anymore. Uh, those issues have changed. Those concerns have changed. And so how do we as a church remain relevant, still holding to the truth, but yet still meeting people where they are and bringing them to a place of knowing Christ and knowing God, dealing with their struggles, um, and yet also still being a church that is grounded in the truth uh, and in the spirit. So uh, it's a challenging it's a challenging time for churches, and that's why. And it's not just the churches of Christ that are um, facing these challenges, if you will. If you talk to any number of preachers in this town and talk to them about their attendance from ten years ago to today you'll see a, a, a large decrease in just general church attendance across the board. And I think a lot of that has to do is with the fact that we have not really been willing to change, back to your word, to the point of really being able to reach this new culture. Is that something that you, you plan on uh, continuing forward with in uh, future sermons? Yes, and, and it's not something that I'm necessarily going, you know, we may not necessarily have a, a sermon series on cultural Christianity, but it's kind of one of those things that from time to time, we're going to bring this back up and mention it and talk about it. Because the thing is, is when we begin to have this discussion, when we begin to have this discussion, it it challenges people because um, it's easy to look at culture or to look at people and say, well, they're just they're just not as committed as they were when, you know, when we were growing up. Take Sunday night attendance, for example. Church culture has drastically changed with Sunday night church attendance. Uh, for someone who is 50 years and older, who grew up in a culture where the only thing to do on the weekend, especially on Sunday, was to go to church. And to do that on two different occasions, um, and now you're in a in a in a place in life where weekends are completely different for young families than they were 30 years ago. There's so much more going on on the weekends than there was 30 years ago, and families are committing to Sunday morning. But yes, Sunday night they're they're slowing down. They're 
Um, they're spending more time together as a family on Sunday night. Uh, they're getting ready for the week and getting things prepared for the beginning uh, of Monday. And to someone who still wants to live in that cultural Christianity bubble, it's easy to go, oh, well, look at that family. They're just not committed like we are. They're not committed like we used to be. Well, it may not necessarily be a lack of commitment. It's just a change of culture. And as you begin to talk about that, it challenges people to change their mindset. And we, when you challenge people to change their mindset, sometimes you upset people. So I don't want to do an entire series that is geared towards upsetting people. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll deal with these things just a little bit at a time and kind of slowly chip away at this, at this topic, uh, in our time together for sure. So I, th- I think it's kind of a, a balancing act is on one hand, we need to look at how we're going to approach the changing culture we live in. Uh, but at the same time, we still have to center on the uh, foundational principles of the Word of God. Absolutely. And and that is one thing, that is part of this discussion that I think if you're not careful, people, they, they don't hear you, they don't hear you talk about it in the way that they're used to it. So they don't think you're talking about it. And that is that um, we're talking about an absence of truth. Uh, it, just because we change things, doesn't mean that we have changed the truth or the importance of truth. I, um, I believe that as a child of God, our, our goal is to come to as full of a knowledge and understanding of the truth of scripture as we can and how those things convict us and change us in our life. I believe as a church, we need to strive for biblical purity in all that we do. At the same time, when I sit down and begin to share an invitation to someone in our community um, about coming and visiting us at Ninth Avenue, and they may ask me, well, why would I want to visit you or what, you know, what's going on at Ninth Avenue? My first comment is not going to be around the idea of how often we take communion. Not that that's not important. But this in this culture, that's not what those people want to hear. They're looking for a purity of love. They're looking for a purity of a family. You know, we 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 live in a society, and and doing what you do, you see this. We're living in a society where where families um, families are crumbling apart at times, and sometimes the church is the only family that some people ever have, uh, and, and they're looking for that in their life. And so they're interested in how this church family is going to be a benefit to me because I'm lacking this on a, you know, on a personal level with my, with my biological family or whatnot. And so those are the things that they're looking for and they're interested in. And we have to show them that love, which is not an unbiblical concept because Jesus, his, his first, if you want to, his first new command that he calls a new command is as they're sitting around the table partaking in the last supper together. He says, a new command I give you love one another as I have loved you. And so even Jesus says it starts with love. Um, and so it, it's, it's not with an absence of truth. And I don't want anybody to ever think that I'm just about, well, let's just love everybody 
and, and that trumps all. Um, love uh, is is a unifier, and in the purity of love, you will find, I think, purity of Scripture and truth as well. Well, when you read through the the, the New Testament and the life of, of Jesus, of course, Jesus uh, was the Son of God, uh, God in, in in human form. Uh, but when when Jesus talked to the to the people, uh, he, he talked to them about a, a new way of, of looking at uh, of God's word, what God said. The uh, the Jewish leaders uh, they were stuck on you know, the literal letter of the law, and, and when Jesus came, uh, I guess you, in a way you could say he made it more relevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the occasions that came to my mind is when. He was walking with his disciples through the field and they became hungry on the Sabbath and he met their need. That was hunger was something that was relevant to them at that point in time. And so they ate and the religious leaders criticized him uh, for allowing his disciples to do that on the Sabbath. Uh, but yeah, he explained to them why uh, within God's command, uh, it was okay to do that. Uh, so he, he, maybe it's the wrong way to characterize it, but it's almost like he, he looked at it with a, a fresh perspective, a, a fresh set of eyes. Um, and of course, as you said, he looked at everything uh, through love. I think that's a very valid point because when you think about the life of Jesus, one of the things that you will see in the way that he dealt with people is he didn't talk doctrine with the blind man. Um, he didn't talk doctrine. He didn't argue doctrine with the 10 lepers. He healed them. He showed them love. He met them and, and, and dealt with the immediate need that they had. Now, most of those people that he healed, as you read the rest of the story, what do they do? They turn around and follow him. And as they follow him, what do they learn? They learn truth. Um, the only people that you really see him talking doctrinal things, what we would call doctrinal things, Bible things, Old Testament law things, is with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, those guys who are trying to distort the truth. And he takes moments to correct them. But just going out and preaching three-point dissertation sermons was not how Jesus reached the people who really ended up following him. He would reach them where they were. Absolutely. Zacchaeus was up in the tree. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where he met him. And then, as you say, he invited him down to, uh, and to come and eat. And uh, we don't really read much about Zacchaeus after that. But it's very likely that Zacchaeus uh, learned more, uh, mm-hmm. listened to his uh, teachings in the future, and learned more, as you said, the, the doctrinal uh, things. But the, the first thing Jesus showed him is that uh, he cared about him, that he loved him. I, I think he preached a sermon on that uh, since you've been here uh, about his interaction uh, with Zacchaeus. So I, I appreciate uh, you you doing that and uh, uh, your willingness to 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 look at things maybe uh, with a, a different perspective, not a non-biblical perspective, but uh, just to willing to look at something view it in, in a new way uh, just as, as Jesus did he talked about the 
the Old Testament commands, but he he talked about them a lot of times in a new way. Uh, I was thinking today, as I was thinking about this topic, where Jesus several times, I think in Matthew chapter 5, uh, where he said, uh, in essence, you have heard it said, such and such, but I tell you mm-hmm. uh, such and such. Uh, so it, it was looking at something with, from a from a new perspective. Let's get on something just uh, as we close up here, a little, I guess, a lighter subject. Uh, we talked earlier about uh, you being a, a big uh, fan of the Atlanta Braves because the Braves have started their uh, preseason. Uh, I believe as of today, they are one, two, and one, I'm tying with the Minnesota Twins today. Um, several changes they've had during the offseason. So just, if you will, give us the uh, uh, Matthew Valentine uh, 2020 Atlanta Braves season preview. Um, I could talk about this for probably just as long as we've talked about the other stuff, but I will try, I will try not to. Uh, yes, we are in the first week of spring training, which means they're playing, everybody's playing bad, rusty baseball right now. But they're playing baseball, and that's what matters. Uh, the Braves have been on Fox Sports South a couple of times over the weekend, which was great. Uh, I think I read today that Freddie Freeman was scratched from the lineup with elbow stiffness. He had surgery over the off season. They say it's nothing to worry about, but when you have surgery and then you have stiffness, you worry about that. Their big pitching free agent, Cole Hamels, is uh, shut down for three weeks because um, he's old and he worked out too hard over the off season. Um, the, uh, I say he's old, uh, Cole Hamels is younger than I am, I think. And that makes me feel old when they call him old, but the, uh, the Braves, uh, you know, I like some of their off season moves. Uh, I'm in the minority of a Bra- of Braves fans that I am glad that they did not re-sign Josh Donaldson because I think it would have been a bad, um, a bad move for them long term. My guess is that Josh Donaldson will never have as good of a year. Um, where did he go? To Minnesota, Toronto. Uh, with Minnesota. Minnesota. He came from. He had been in Toronto, but uh, he was. He's going to Minnesota. I don't think that he will have as good of a year in Minnesota. Any of the four years of his contract, uh, as he had the one year in Atlanta, um, I think they have made some good moves this off season. I think that we've got a lot of young pitching that is going to have to continue to improve, and I think they can. I am picking the Braves again to win the division. You know, it's when you have the division winner and the World Series winner in your division. Uh, it means it's going to be a fun season. The Nationals uh, are going to have a great team. The Phillies are going to have a good team. Um, but I, I still think the Braves can win the NL East. I think they can win 90-plus games. Um, I think that uh, Ozzie Albies is going to have to have another all-star caliber year. I, you know, you've got your guys like Freddie and, and Acuna who are going to to be your catalyst in a lot of ways. But there needs to be a third core guy, and I think Ozzy made a huge step in that last season, and I think that he can do that this season. I hope that uh, prior to his injury, Dansby 
was having an all-star caliber year. He didn't get selected for the all-star team, uh, but he was definitely having an all-star caliber year. I'd love to see him continue to progress. And I think if, I think if those two guys, I think if Ozzie and Dansby can take another step forward this year, um, it's going to lengthen that lineup. They're going to be a hard team to beat. Um, I have uh, a lot of faith in Soroka and Freed and um, Fultonevich to, to kind of be your your core of your pitching rotation. They went out and spent a lot of money to shore up the bullpen, which was a disaster. It felt like every time someone came in from the bullpen last year, you just held your breath. It's about like Alabama's kicking kicking game. Um, so, um, yeah, I think Atlanta will be a uh, top five team in the NL. I think that they will um, – I think they'll win 90-plus games. I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb and say, even though they've not done it in 13 years, I think they will make the playoffs and win a playoff series. That is – and that's a big – it's a big, bold prediction. Uh, but I am predicting that they will not only make the playoffs, but they will win – a playoff series this season. Okay, folks, you heard it here first on the uh, Ninth Avenue uh, podcast. Because uh, Matthew, I, I've come up with a, an easier explanation as to why Donaldson's not going to do as well uh, this year. As you pointed out, he's now playing for the Minnesota Twins. Mm-hmm. Uh, his nickname he earned uh, last year was the Rainmaker. Mm-hmm. Well, Minnesota plays in the Dome. It's hard to cause rain inside the inside dome. Inside the dome, absolutely. So he absolutely. will not be the rainmaker in in 2020 in Minnesota. Well, with that uh, sports uh, preview, we'll uh, wrap up our podcast uh, for this episode. I want to thank you again for uh, sitting down with us and, and, and taking the time and, and uh, sharing your thoughts with us. And I we hope we can... Uh, do this again, uh, maybe next month. Uh, in the meantime, those of you listening, if you're not a member at Ninth Avenue, we certainly invite you to be with us at any opportunity you have. Uh, Sunday mornings, our Bible classes begin at 9.30. Our worship service starts at 10.30. We meet again on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock, and we meet on Wednesday uh, evenings at 6.30. So you have a special invitation to be with us at each service. Uh, we'd also like for you to avail yourself of our social media outlets. Uh, you can find and like us on Facebook, uh, or you could follow us on Instagram or Twitter. And we hope you'll continue to uh, listen to our, our podcast uh, here on whatever podcast provider you're listening to this podcast on. Uh, as of this Past week, uh, we're now available, I think, on the top uh, nine, uh, or at least top nine of the uh, top ten podcast providers in the country. Uh, we're pending being approved on Pandora. So once that happens, we will be on the top ten podcast providers uh, in the country. Uh, Matthew, anything you want to say before uh, we finish this episode? I want to thank you for uh, continuing your hard work and our social media outreach. Uh, you do a fantastic job, and uh, just on a volunteer basis, you put a lot of time and effort into the podcast, into the, the sermon podcast, and our social media presence. 
Um, I know I've done a lot of that in my own um, time at other ministry positions, and it is time-consuming uh, and sometimes can be a little bit frustrating. But, Neil, I appreciate uh, all that you're doing. And to those that are listening, thank you so much for for just taking the time to uh, to welcome us into your life. And uh, if you're in the Haleville area, come visit us and hang out with us. And uh, chances are, if you show up, we're probably going to be eating somewhere along the way, and we'll feed you a little bit, and uh, we'll be more than happy to have you.